You think you own me, but you don't. You think you can destroy me, you can't. Your labels do not contain me. Your lies do not intimidate me. I will not be less than what I was created to be, and I will not run in fear. Time and time again, you've held me down, but not today. Today, I win the battle. Today, you run from me, because I am strong. I am courageous. I am an overcomer. That's aggressive. <laughs> but it's the new year, and welcome again to Amazing Love uh, here in 2018. And let's be honest, who doesn't want to overcome some things this year? And, and I know New Year's resolutions are out of style, so I won't talk about resolutions, but, but I do believe that with God there are new mercies happening every morning, uh, that, that every day can be an opportunity for new things to happen. And so you've come to Amazing Love, and we're starting this new series called Overcomers. And I want to talk about some things with you that I, I believe with God's help we can make progress in. Uh, things like labels or comparison or apathy. And, and things like fear, which we talk about today. I want to give you one passage that sets the framework. It says, you dear children are from God and you have, can you say this word? You've overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. What you need to know if you're a Christian is that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit that spirit that raised God from the dead is inside of you. It's greater than anything this world can come after you with. Greater than any fear. But if we're going to do some work, I have to ask you the question. I'll ask it a few times today. Well, here it is. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of the lady in the, in the clip. <laughs> you, you know, I figured out... Uh, what, what my daughter Nadia was afraid of, if I could tell you a family story. We're celebrating my, my wife's birthday, and we had one of those bunt cakes. Have you been to Nothing Bunt Cakes? That is some, some good cake action there. And uh, we did the traditional thing. We, we put the, the candles on it, and, and we lit the flame. And uh, well, we found out what Nadia was afraid of. And I, I wanted you to come with us into the Bloomer household. Let me show you that moment that we celebrated uh, my wife's birthday. You have to listen carefully. Happy birthday. And it's at the end. Happy birthday, dear Mommy. Happy birthday to you. Hey. She's, she's very much afraid of Okay. Do you hear it? I don't like fire. <laughs> She was crying in the background because of the fire. Now, we have a hypothesis that this is because there was a candlelight service here at Amazing Love that went all wrong, and ever since, there's a fear of fire. Now, let's not just pick on Nadia. How many people are also afraid of fire? Anyone? Anyone? And, and, and let's, let's go into some light ones. How many for you, it's spiders? I'm, I'm spiders. I'm, I'm in that category. How many are snakes? Snakes on planes. <laughs> How many is darkness? 
Yeah, dark, right? We all know what it is to have fears. I actually fear that this is the new ice age. Between the winters we've had and the the stretch we're having, I think it's just going to stay cold, and that is a fear of mine. In fact, there are bad things happening because of the cold. Went to the gym, and the sprinkler had popped open. It was flooding the gym. I had a basketball practice called off because of the cold. What if it never gets warm again, friends? It's real. But no, they're, they're serious. They're there are emotionally draining fears, aren't there? For example, we all have maybe wrestled with the fear of loss. What if I have to say goodbye to the one I love? What if I lose the job? What if I don't have enough money? What if I lose money? We wrestle with the fear of failure. What if at school the teacher says I'm not enough and I don't pass? What if at the job, the new job I'm just starting, that they say I, I, I don't cut it? What if I don't have enough to make it? There's the fear of uncertainty. One of the things we do is we flip the calendars. We do look forward to 2018, and, and we try to be positive. And some of you might have those words, you know, to, to describe the 2018 that you're going into, and positive words to help you. But, but what if it's worse than that? What if it goes against that word? What if something unimaginable happens? Yeah, fears are real. We all wrestle with them. And fear is a problem. The fruit of fear is a problem. I was reading from Forbes magazine the problem of a fear-based leader. And one of the things that struck me about a fear-based leader is a fear-based leader is not willing to step outside the box. Don't want to learn anything new. Don't want to try anything new. Uh, no, they're just afraid of what might happen. What, what fear does, it kind of reminds me of when a turtle gets afraid, Right? I don't want to stick my head out. I don't want to walk around. No, just keep me safe. I don't care if I don't go anywhere. Just, just don't let anything bad happen to me. Nothing can cut off my head when I'm here, right? And this is what fear does. It's crippling. It's a prison. It's, it's a shell that makes us not want to go anywhere. But friends, I have good news for you. You find yourself in the presence of God. He is the almighty God. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He is the one who has power over fear. And I wanted to welcome you, even if you're not a Christian, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, you're welcome to be in this space. You're, you're welcome to have questions and to kick the tires of the church. And, and, and I wanted to invite you all to see what God offers, though. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, he offers something phenomenal. Look at this passage. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. It's such a phenomenal passage. Can we just read it together? Let's read it together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That is available to you. If you feel like that turtle in a shell, you have the right by the power of God to come out, to stick your head out, and to walk around. I believe he can release us from the fears that, that cripple us. So let's get into the Word of God. We're going to have some fun. We're going to dig in. We're going to explore the Word of God. And we're going to see how how this Word can help us with our fears. Our our psalm for today is written by David. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, he wrote a lot of different psalms. And let me set up the story behind uh, this psalm. Uh, David had an awful father-in-law. His name was Saul. Uh, married to uh, one of his daughters. And Saul knew he was on his way out, that the Lord had rejected him as king, and that David was the new up-and-comer. And And Saul hated David. In fact, we know this from the Bible because David would sometimes play the harp for Saul. 
And as thanks for playing the harp, uh, Saul would take his spear and try to pin him against the wall with it. It's not very good. Well, in, in the state that we find ourselves in, in the psalm for today, David has run away from Saul because Saul has mounted his army and wants to get rid of David once and for all. And before we get into the psalm, it actually has a subtitle. If you read your Bible, this is the subtitle above Psalm 34. It helps us describe what's going on. It says, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. Now that's an interesting thing. David pretending to be insane. What, what does this describe? What happened is David went to the enemy camp of the Philistines. And he was so afraid of what Saul could do, he, he, he thought that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So he there is with the Philistines acting insane. First Samuel 21 tells us what he's doing. Look what it says. He pretended to be insane, and while he was there in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate, letting saliva run down his beard. This is interesting to me. David foaming at the mouth, making marks. I don't know what that was. Reminds me that nothing is new under the sun. If you thought the insanity plea for defense was something new in this generation, it wasn't, or foaming at the mouth, no. It's a reminder of the crazy things that fear will lead us to do. But what's interesting is in the midst of all of this, he's sitting down and writing the words that we get to explore, and what we'll hear is not a fear-based psalm. What we'll hear is about the Lord's deliverance and his help in every trouble and every trial. Ready to get into it now? So that's the story. I, I was thinking of trying something new today. It is something I grew up doing, um, of standing in honor and respect for the word of God and the reading of the word. Do, do you think we could try that today? Can we stand in honor of the reading of God's word, of how he miraculously preserved this word for us to hear from? Let's get into it. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is the word of God. Before you sit down, could you tell three people in him we overcome? Find three people and say, in him we overcome. And then you can sit down. In him we overcome. All right, all right. You can, you can, you can sit down. Good job. How many of you guys played hockey before? And any hockey players? I know it's kind of popular. I played a little bit of field hockey. I was, I was learning a little bit of, of how you should try to learn how to shoot the puck. And I was reading an article that says, if you've got a goalie in front of you, what you want to focus on is not where the goalie is, but where the goalie is not. What, what that would mean here is that if I'm practicing shooting the puck, I want to focus and put my attention here, 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 all the places that he is not so that the puck can go to those places. You know, whether that's true in hockey or not, I've heard the same thing when driving. I want to be a race car driver. Maybe I will be in heaven. I don't know. Um, and I heard that if you don't want to crash, you have to look not at the other car, but where the other car is not and where you want to go. It reminds me of taking nature walks. You ever been on a rugged, rugged terrain and there's so many roots and rocks that you have to watch where every step is being planted? 
And what I find is that focus determines direction. Where you're focusing on determines the direction that you're going to go, that the puck's going to go, that the car's going to go. What we're focusing on is, again, what we're setting ourselves up for. This reminds me of a Bible story. It's a man named Peter, and he was called out by Jesus to walk on water. Have you heard this? So, so Jesus walking on water and, and coming out to his disciples, and Peter's like, man, that would be cool to do. Can I try it, Jesus? He's like, okay, come on. And he comes out, and for a while he is walking on water until, do you remember the story? Let's, let's look what happened. Come, Jesus said, and Peter got off the boat, and he was walking toward the water and came toward Jesus. To come toward Jesus, you've got to be looking at Jesus, I believe. But when he saw the wind, he took his attention away from Jesus onto the wind. Now, that didn't make sense to me. I've never seen wind. Have you seen wind before? So I was thinking you saw maybe the effects of the wind in the white-crested waves. So he saw the wind and the waves, and he was afraid then, and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And and here in, in Peter's story, we find our first point about fear and overcoming it. Something you may have heard before, but, but it is appropriate for us to discuss, that I believe fear or a lack thereof is a matter of focus. It's a matter of focus. Can, can you go back to the times when you were afraid and do a little bit of gut checking? Is it possible that the times you feel crippled by fear, you're just staring at that wave? You're just staring at, at what that wave might do, what it might do to our family, to my circumstance. You're thinking of all the bad things that could happen, and staring, friends, doesn't make it better. Staring leads us right into it, it makes everything worse. So what does the psalmist direct us to do? Well, what did David say? He says, I sought the Lord. What I had to do is I had to turn my attention away from Saul, who was a murderer and a killer. I had to turn my attention away from him and seek the Lord, see his face. And he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. What do we do when afraid? We, we need to focus on him. We need to do that. And, and I love the words of the hymn we just sang, What a Friend in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Remember that line that says, Oh, the peace we often forfeit. How many times are we like the turtle in the shell and we're just forfeiting peace because we do not look to him. We do not look to him. We just stare at the problem in front of us. And what if this week... You went into that situation that you're afraid of and you saw Jesus by your side. What if when you were at the hospital, you saw Jesus there in the room? What if when you were in the classroom with that teacher who's really tough and it doesn't seem like it's going well, you saw Jesus sitting next to you? What if this happened at work and all of those circumstances to see Jesus is right there and he's never letting us go? When we focus on him, we understand there is nothing too big for him to handle. And we will be okay because he is with us. You know, I was uh, studying for this series and got it from a church called Life Church and Pastor Craig Rochelle. Maybe some of you have heard of Pastor Craig Rochelle. And uh, he had some, some statements that really unearthed the root of fear for me. And they're statements that I think might be able to help you. Okay, um, As I was working through fears, uh, the, the statement was this, that whatever you fear the most reveals what you value the most. And I thought there was some insight there. 
And this actually made me feel okay. Like, and so for maybe there's some men in the room and career is it, or ladies and career is it. And the reason you're so concerned about your career is because that's what you value. You want to make sure you're a good worker. You want to make sure you're doing all that you can. Or maybe there are some who are afraid of what's going to happen to kids and what does this reveal? Man, I really care about my kids. Really worried about them, right? I value them. Maybe for some of you it's finances and, and you really appreciate having security in, in your financial world. By the way, we, we're starting Financial Peace University right after the service. Um, but, but, but if that's, that's your fear, maybe it's also telling you what you value. And all of these statements I was okay with. As I was going through this, it was like, okay, and now it helps me give me a lens. But this next statement I didn't appreciate as much. Because after he set me up with that question, he then went to this. He said, but whatever you fear also reveals where you trust God the least. The reason that struck me is because I thought there was truth there. And so I need to ask you once again, what are you afraid of? What's the root of that fear? And I know coming to church today is kind of like going to the doctor, and you don't like seeing the doctor, but it's good for him to assess you and see what's the root of the problem. And um, as we come together, um, I've sometimes learned that if I'm vulnerable, it allows you to be vulnerable, so so I'll let you in. And as I was doing this, I want to let you know what I'm afraid of. Are you ready? Here it is. And this is is real. Where I often go to, the, the source that I often go to, is that I'm afraid this church will never be enough because I am never enough. I'm afraid the church will never be enough because I am never enough. And the sin found there is this idea that it's all up to me, that it's all riding on my shoulders, that, that, that God really isn't that powerful. The sin is one of distrust. And as I'm being vulnerable with you, the, the funny thing is, as I just stated it, as I just had it out loud, isn't it true that God has something to say on both of those things? Because God, he loves his church more than I ever could. God has this promise. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades won't even overcome it. So God is going to do his work with or without me. It doesn't matter. God is going to continue to reach people so that many more join in that heavenly feast. He doesn't need a Dustin Bloomer. He never did. He doesn't need, by the way, amazing love, though I hope he uses us. Um, but, but he's going to continue to extend his kingdom. That's what he does. And the one about my fear that I'm not enough. Do you know what I find in Scripture? It's true. I'm not enough. But guess what? Jesus is. Do you remember what Paul said about his weakness? He had a thorn in the flesh. And he's like, three times I pleaded because it would be better if I wasn't so weak and I didn't feel this weakness. But God said, no, 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 no. My, My strength is made perfect in weakness. Because then people see it was about my power and glory on display and it wasn't about you, Paul. And so it's okay for me not to be enough because Jesus is enough. There's a reason I let you in because what I'm hoping is that you'll do it yourself. There's an opportunity to write down what am I afraid of and you don't have to turn to your neighbor on this one. But maybe in the house of God today there are some fathers who are like me who are concerned about career. And and you're fearful. You're wondering if you'll ever be enough, if you'll ever do good enough because you're concerned about what people say about earthly glory, about legacy. I would encourage you to repent over an over-pursuit of career.
Because the reality is, you are enough in Christ. And if he knows your name, which he does, it's all that matters. Maybe there's some parents in the room that need to repent over their fear and distrust over their kids. Do you remember the passage that says that children are a reward from him, a heritage from him? What does this mean? It means that your kids were always his in the first place. And maybe there are some parents who need to trust God with the kids that he's entrusted to you because he's loved them more than you ever could. And maybe there are some who are just afraid of the future and crippled by what the next year might bring. Teenagers wondering about their career, college students wondering, will I make it? And you need to repent of the sin of distrust and hear Jeremiah say, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. We need to do that real work in our hearts. Call it out. Label it. So we can see what a lie it is. And how Jesus has overcome it. I feel a little bit better? You know why I believe this so much? It's because I've been in situations before that God has brought me through. And you know why I believe this is because David was in a situation that God brought him through. Do you know right now, as as David has Saul hot on his heels, he doesn't die by the hands of Saul. He doesn't see it yet, but he gets through it because God is with him. Dear friends, let me remind you that that God has already delivered you from something. He has already delivered you from the punishment of your sin. If you're in the house of God today, call yourself a Christian today, you know that the cross of Christ has covered every moment of distrust, every bad thing you've ever done. You know that you are set free from that. And if we don't have to fear death because Jesus rose, and if we don't have to fear hell because we're going to heaven to be by his side, what is there to fear? You and I have been set free by this gospel, this glorious gospel. The gospel that says we are loved and forgiven. And love does something. Look at this passage about love. It says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear. Can we talk about this a little bit? Have you ever done anything crazy in the name of love? I was reading some stories about a a man who shaved his head, didn't care if he was bald because his wife had breast cancer. He didn't care what people thought. No, he's going to be crazy for love. We live in an age where many people meet online and it's crazy to meet him in person after you've just saw him online. That's, that takes boldness. No fear. I tell you what. I'll never forget this one time where my wife proved that she loved me. We were in Costa Rica, and I'm kind of an adventurer. And uh, anyone ever been ziplining? Ziplining? Okay. And uh, in Costa Rica, there was this uh, big stretch uh, that was a Superman zipline. And Superman means that you're wrapped in a burrito, your head is face down, and this is how you go. And it's one of the top five longest in the world that is right next to our hotel in Costa Rica. Now, Kat wants to do this about 0%, maybe less than zero. And this is what we're facing. Like, if this isn't the face of joy, I don't know what is. Um, (laughs) But you can't even see where this thing ends. Like, you, you, you see where you get on, but I'm not sure. Like, somewhere in that group of trees, I hope we stop. But did she do it? And is she here? Yes. And I didn't even get beat up, which is great. Anyway, um, 
But, but my point is, love will help us and it will compel us to do some crazy things. Love can propel you past fear. It, it can help us, okay, maybe I still feel some of those emotions, but, but I, I know because of who is with me, whose I am, that I can get through this and it's going to be okay. What, what if we did this in the new year every day walking with Jesus? And maybe it's true that your workplace environment isn't so great, but if Jesus is there, he can help you step through that. He can help you step through and propel you through because you know you're loved. You know he's going to be with you. You know he's going to help you. Yes, let Jesus' love propel you past your fears. He's with you always. But what isn't helpful, what is never been helpful is, is this, this crazy question, what if? Do I have any what ifers? I what if all the time. I uh, was recently called up by our Wells uh, Synodical Church body to be a keynote speaker at the, the youth rally. And so there's going to be 2,000 teenagers. And I go to what if? What if I'm 10 minutes in and I forget the rest and I'm just stuck there standing, nothing to say? That'd be awful. That's a recurring nightmare, by the way. What if I see the glaze over their eyes and they're telling me by their body language, Pastor, you just don't get it. We watch Stranger Things, not Full House, okay? What if, what if I say something wrong and now all the church body sees me and I'm kicked out for being a heretic and I, I lose everything. I'm no longer a pastor. Like they put me in, in this version of like the leper camp, you know, synodically. And that could happen, friends. What if? Right? But have you ever done the what if? Picking on my wife. Sometimes when my wife does what if, she looks at WebMD and it all leads to cancer. And so sometimes, you know, just because it's a crazy what if, like, yeah, it's cancer and we're going to die tomorrow. Uh, because it's already crazy, I just say, like, yeah, and what if we're abducted by aliens and have to live our rest of our lives on planet Zoltar, right? You know, because if we're going to go that crazy, let's just take it to the furthest end. Because the reality is what ifs aren't helpful. They, they've never helped anyone. They sure didn't help Moses. Do you remember him? He was commissioned by God. He's talking to a burning bush. That should convince you God is on your side. But, but what does Moses say? He says, what if? He doesn't want to go. He's looking for any way not to go. He's what ifing this thing to death. And what we find is what ifs feed our fears. You want to be locked in fear, just keep ruminating over all the worst case scenarios that could possibly happen. What if? What if? What if? I was talking to my uh, coach about this. I have a, a pastor's coach. His name is Rick Lowe, and he's a great dude. And, and he always reminds me of two of his favorite passages. Zach Dustin, yeah, a lot of things can happen, but I love going back to these passages, that God will never leave me or forsake me, and God can even work all the bad things for my good. You heard those? God will never leave me or forsake me. He can even work the bad things for my good. So I, I was thinking about this, and I was like, well, what if we did an exercise this morning? Where, where I just brought up this fact, um, here it is, God will never leave me or forsake me and he will even work the bad for good. What if I brought up this fact and then you responded after all my what ifs? Do you think we could try that? 
So first of all, let, let's practice saying it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a what-if statement, and then you're going to say it. So first, practice saying it. Can, can, can we say this together? God will never leave me or forsake me, and he will work even the bad for good. So now let me, um, let me give you some what-ifs, and, and this is going to be a response. Or, are you ready? Let, let's start with easy ones. What if this week is miserable because I have all these responsibilities and the flu? Pretty good. You can do better. All right, let's let's keep going. Um, what if all my coworkers or students or family members or pastor around me is mean and unloving? You're doing great. Um, what if I fail the test and the project goes poorly? This one's for us in Illinois. What if Illinois never climbs out of the deep debt they are in? Um, If the Bulls never win another championship, if the Bears never win another Super Bowl, if the Sox and the Cubs never win a World Series again? Now, I know I've been silly so far. I know I've been silly so far. Can we do some real ones now? Can we do some deep ones now? All right, let's do a deep one. What if I never feel 100% healthy again? What if I never get married? What if I lose someone I love through divorce or death? What if I don't make it financially and file for bankruptcy? And the final one, what if we are abducted by aliens and spend the rest of our lives on planet Zoltar? (laughs) It's true all the time, isn't it? And so what we find is that God is a sure refuge. And we don't use that word refuge very often. Uh, Refuge just means fort. And so in the wintertime, it means that that he's like a snow fort. And if snowballs are coming our way, he can can guard us from any onslaught, any attack that comes our way, any what-ifs that come their way. God is a refuge from them. These promises, they never change. And so he can help us. But the most interesting thing about the whole psalm that we're talking about is that David has yet to be delivered. He is right now okay, safe, because he's acting insane in the camp of the Philistines, but Saul is still after him. The problem has not yet been resolved. And even though that is all still happening, David is already giving God praise. You look at verses 1 through 3, and it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. David You're going crazy in the Philistine camp. How are you extolling the Lord at all times? His praise will always be on my lips. David, Saul's after you. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's actually where we get that song, Oh, magnify, oh, magnify the Lord. Remember that one? 
And David's all this. He's like singing a song of praise in the midst of being in the Philistine camp, acting insane. David, the story isn't done. But he's leading you and I. He's leading you and I past our fears because what we need to do is get in this habit of praising God that he has already worked out what we're afraid of. Of praising God with this confidence that even though it's in front of me, I know that because of you, I'll already get through on the other side. You know, sometimes I have a conversation with one of my pastor friends who's in Colorado Springs and we talk about pastor life and there's always these things that are in the way and, and things that could go wrong. And, and sometimes I end just saying, but I have this confidence, I'm probably going to see you next week and you'll have gotten through it and God will have delivered us. And I just want to pause and I want to say the same thing to this church family. I know there are real fears in your path, but I have this feeling that you're going to get through it I don't know what the other side looks like, but I believe at the other side you'll be saying, you know what, God, he surely is my deliverer. God, he truly is the savior from all my troubles and everything that terrifies. Let us praise him, for he's already worked it through. Now let me close with prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to pause and praise you ahead of time. You are a deliverer and you have been with me. This day, this week, this year, we'll have things that make me afraid. Help me first to seek you, focus on you, and call out to you, and then answer. I ask today that you would release many people from the prison, the turtle shell of fear they've been hiding in, because with you we can overcome. With you we can step out courageously because we know we are loved. We thank you for your cross that has overcome our sin and our doubt, and now we ask you to be with us. Amen.